Hello and welcome to Missing Pieces. I'm your host, Ms. Carter, and today we're going to do day five of this awesome series of the genealogy of Christ. I'm taking um, biblical scriptures, I'm reading them, and I'm letting you all um, absorb the word of God, and then I am giving you everyday uh, notations, everything that's going on in your life that um, reflects to these scriptures. So day five, let's dive in. Day five, Noah, who walked with God. Now, there are so many people in the Bible that walked with God, and I'm going to touch a few of those, but we're going to start with Genesis uh, chapter six, and let me get my word out. And I'm not going to read everything. I'm going to briefly go through everything, okay? We're going to have Genesis chapter 6, and we're going to start at verse 5, and we're going to conclude at verse 22. So in verse uh, chapter 6, um, in the book of Genesis, it talks about the wickedness and judgment of man. And it's also, um, it's about... Uh, when God uh, decreed a judgment. And so now the the, uh, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was on evil continually. And now Noah pleased God. And this is the genealogy of Noah because Noah, he was a just man. He was perfect in his generations and Noah walked with God and Noah begot three sons. Here we go with this begot. Um, he begot Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And the earth also was um, very corrupt before God and the earth was filled with violence. And so now God began to speak to Noah and told him to build an ark. You've all heard the story from the time that you were in kindergarten the time that you were in Bible school or vacation Bible school, you know about uh, God telling Noah to prepare an ark, but he, he was very specific. He wanted um, the ark to be built by gopher wood. And he told him piece by piece, word by word, direction on how it's to be built, how long it should be built. And it says here that, the ark shall be 300 cubits, it's width 50 cubits, and it's height 30 cubits. That's a very large building. And it also was built for um, Noah to bring on every, every creature that was on the earth, whether it was a snake, an elephant, a fly, a bird, a geese, duck, whatever. Every one of them was supposed to come, two of each kind. And now we get into uh, for, uh, chapter seven of Genesis, and it talks about the great flood. And then, you know, people thought that Noah was crazy. Have you ever done something and people look at you like, girl, why did you do that? Man, wh what possessed you to do that? Why did you leave your job? Why did you move? Why did you um, decide to uh, drop out of, um, uh, uh, um, college. Why did you do that? God will do the foolish things to confound the wise. And they laughed at Noah because he had, here it is. He had this 
big, huge boat, two of each living creature, and nothing happened. Nothing. Not no drop of rain. Nothing happened. And then all of a sudden, the sky began to crack. And people were trying to get in. They were begging to get on that boat. And God just literally obliterated the whole earth with a flood. And so now verse 8 comes with Noah's deliverance. And it came to pass in the 601st year, in the first month, the first day of the month, that the waters were dried up from the earth. And Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked, and indeed the surface of the ground was dry. And then God spoke to Noah saying, go out of the ark, you and your wife, your sons and sons' wives with you. And I want you to bring out with you every living thing of all flesh that is with you. And so Noah went out with his wife and his sons and every creeping thing, and they took control of the earth. And he took every clean animal out and every bird. And the Lord smelled a soothing aroma. That's when you're in worship too. When you're in deep worship, the sense in the spirit of God um, comes over you. And your, your worship is so pure and it's undefiled and it's honest and it's filled with humility. It touches the nostrils of God. And he can sense that this woman, this man, this child is worshiping me and their heart is pure and they are doing it in a spirit of reverence. And then the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake, although the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Now let's go to chapter nine. So God blessed Noah and his sons and said to the uh, said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Now let's go to uh, Genesis 10. Now this is the genealogy of the sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And the sons were born to them after the flood. And the sons of Japheth were Gomer, Magog, Madai, Javan, Tubal, Meshach, and Taras. And the sons of Ham were Cush, Mizram, Put, and Canaan. And the sons of Shem were Elam, Asur, Aphra, Lud, and Aram. And there is that chapter from verse chapter Genesis chapter 6, 7, 8, 9, and 10. It makes you wonder how serious it can be when you walk with God. And because Noah appeared in Genesis 5.29 as the son of Lamech, and he was the ninth and descendant from Adam. And in this uh, delude story, Adam, he is being representative, he's being 
presented as the patriarch because of his blameless piety. And Adam, he was chosen by God to preserve the human race after his wicked contemporaries, after the flood. You see, Noah was the only perfect man in a world filled with sin back then. And by faith, Noah being warned by God of the things not yet seen, he um, he moved in fear and he prepared the ark to save his family and the animals. And because Noah walked with God, because he chose to follow God's instruction, there are times in life that we dismiss following God's instruction and things happen or we wait too long and things happen because you know what? Um, if you don't do what God tells you to do, he's going to find somebody else. And then you're going to um, beat yourself up because what God had given to you first and you didn't do it, he gave it to someone else to do. And it doesn't mean that God doesn't love you any less. It just means that he's on a timeline. He has a timeline for things to get done. He's, he, he, he knows the severity of what's happening in this world that we're living in now. And because Noah followed God's instruction and others did not understand him, the thing was that he trusted that God knew what he was doing. When you walk with God and you build this relationship with God, as we're doing in this series, you begin to trust in God and you begin to have this certain peace that it's, it's almost spooky as if, you know, because if you live in a life and you, you've always had something going on, there was always something going on. And now all of a sudden, there's nothing bad going on and you're just living in the peace of God. And I've experienced that. I mean, I went through the, the pandemic and after the pandemic and stuff was just going on in my life. Oh my gosh, it was just too much. Every time I turn around, it was something. It was something going on with me, something going on with my daughter, something going on with my son. And now I'm feeling the peace of God. It's like, it's a spooky thing because nothing is going on. And then the fire came, but I had a peace. You know why? Because I understood that faith and trust go hand in hand. And because, you know, sometimes I've learned that it's not necessary to make a decision right away. And it's also, um, we shouldn't become complacent and do nothing. But when God's peace concerning a decision is apparent, then, you know, you can receive it as God's confirmation. And this is a peace knowing that you, God is giving you not only a confirmation, but there's a revelation in it. And it's that you're walking in his will. When you're walking in his will, 
and you're walking with God, there is a peace that surpasses all understanding. Now, I'm giving you a little bit of research that I came up with. There are four, there were four prominent men, verse 21 through 32 and verse 22 through 23, that walked with God. And one of them was Enoch. And Enoch's life was very unique. It was so unique that he never died. It was that Enoch was not, um, he never died because God took him. And walking with God is an expression because in the Bible, it tells of people who had a fellowship with God through obedience. Now, this type of relationship with God is promoted heavily in the New Testament, Hebrews 11 and 5. And this is what it says, by faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. And uh, because of this, God has taken him away because God was very pleased with Enoch. And so why did Enoch not die? It was because God took him right before the flood. Before the flood came, God took Enoch. And there was another man that uh, never died in the Bible, and that was Elijah. And uh, you can find that in Jude, uh, excuse me, Jude 14 and 15. And it says that Enoch's preaching, he was preaching. And he said that, see, the Lord is coming with thousands upon thousands of his holy ones to judge everyone and to convict all the ungodly of all the ungodly acts. Enoch preaching, he preached against sin. And along with his close walk with God, it pleased God so much that God spared him death. Now, in the book of Revelations, it said that Enoch and Elijah will once again be returned back to earth when it's the day of Jesus is coming. But let's not get all focused with that. And because Enoch was the first man to uncover the true delight of walking with God, he found something even Adam didn't experience. Enoch pressed into God until he learned how to commune with God with every facet of life. And that's what God wants. He wants us to commune with him. He wants us to learn from him. He wants us to pull from him so that you can understand the mysteries, the book, the revelation, the secrets. God will share secrets with you if he could trust you. And so in order to get that way, uh, uh, to get through that dimension of relationship, you know what? It's going to require an intense spiritual pursuit. And when you find it, the Lord God took Enoch up into heaven. When Enoch experienced that spiritual pursuit, God took him. And he didn't want him to die. Is he still alive? The biblical scholars say yes. Now, the second man highlighted is Methuselah, and he is the oldest person recorded in the Bible. 
and he died at the age of 969 years of age. And he was so righteous that God would not put him to death during the flood, but prior to it. Methuselah died before the flood. And then there's a third man called Lamech. Lamech is um, in the line of genealogy of Cain. And it was evil. And then the godly line produced um, a Lamech that a hoped in God, that there was a hope in God. And so Lamech called his son Noah, which sounds like from the book of, from the Hebrew language, rest. And, be, and Lamech was looking for the rest in relief from the curse. And he believed that his son Noah would provide it. And Noah, indeed, he did do that. He started the human race through his walk with God. Even though the curse was still in place, Noah showed how man can still please God by walking in obedience. And I just want you to think about this. When you're walking with God, it must be some type of a quest for every believer who calls on the name of the Lord. You know, walking with God is a daily thing. And even though you may go to church, that's all well and good, but the church should not be a substitute for walking with God, even when you're in trouble. But if you're going, if, if, if you go into your Bible, if you're going to a Bible teaching Christ honoring church, then it becomes a supplement to one's walk. But the church shouldn't overrule your personal relationship with, with Christ. And even though, and I'm telling you my aspects of these things, even though Enoch was taken up into glory, God, he wasn't, I, I don't think he was trying to get us to be impressed with Enoch's piety. Uh, and I don't think God, nor was God, you know, saying to us, if you get to be as spiritual as Enoch, you'll get taken up too. I don't think that's the, the reason for the story of Enoch being taken up because I think God's point was that we are to love to walk with man, you know, because God loves to walk with us and that's his desire. And Enoch was the first man who truly walked with God. So you can't take that from him. But as we look upon life and what's going on and how much we value and desire a walking relationship, not just with Christ, but with someone that can walk with us side by side on this earth here, you know, like a partner, a friend, you know, one day to become married. We desire to have that. And the same love that God desires, we should have that same desire as well. And when you have that desire, it takes someone faith and trust. I said that earlier, walks hand in hand. And you got to be able to trust someone that can walk with you. And because God trusts us to walk with him, that's love. And Enoch, you know, his examples continues to witness to all of us, to every generation that the... In, in, in order to have a great zeal, you gotta walk with God and God wants to walk with us. And we're trying to walk with God and God really wants to walk with us hand in hand.
because you know what when we walk with god we're going to enter a dimension where god unfolds the secret of his kingdoms i just said that and there are paths that the the ancient people trod before us you know noah knew the secret of walking with god as did abraham and you know you know the story and you know you can explore christ with glorious riches of knowing how God lived and where he came from. And that's a very important because God will use the one who walks with him. He's using me because I'm walking with him. And he's looking especially for three qualities, humility, faithfulness, and loyalty. And everything that God does for me, every prayer that he answers, I am humble because I look at why me? I'm an ex-cratic, I'm an ex-felon, I'm an ex-this, I've had an abortion. Why are you using me? And I bow down to him in humility. And I look at his faithfulness, no matter how tiresome I may be. And I say, Lord, I can't do this task. This task I'm doing now, it's too much, but I'm doing it because I fear God. And I know he's been faithful to me. And then I'm doing it because I'm loyal to him. He's my best friend. He's my everything. And he wants to work with friends who are loyal to him. You want someone to you want to marry someone and being in a relationship with someone who 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 is faithful, who is loyal, who is understanding, who is who is just, who loves you. And that's who God wants. And even when circumstances come around, you know, that may tell you, you know, the enemy may come and tell you God is unjust. You know, don't listen to that because the Lord, he will definitely test your fidelity. And when you can prove to yourself and your friends and whoever, whoever is in your life about the calamities of life and what you went through and they watch you stand in humility and faithfulness and your loyalty, you should know that you are one that is called by God. And in the secret place is where God will develop a walking relationship with you. And in the secret place, God will allow you to find that right, uh, your helpmate. Your help, I'm not going to say soulmate. I don't believe in that. That's the, I don't believe in all of that. Your helpmate, someone that's going to stand with you. And it's going to believe with you because the secrets that God shares with those he loves, I'm telling you, it's priceless. It's absolutely priceless. And I'm lifting my hands because it, it's unimaginable what we can learn when you are walking with God. And you know what? And when our inner chamber with him becomes our training ground for a life that is rooted and grounded in love. Hide me, God, in the secret place. Thank you, God. Hide us, God, in the secret place. And you know what? When Jesus told us that he confides his kingdom purposes to his friends, you can find that in John 15, you should know that you know that you know that your relationship with God is, it's building step by step, levels and levels and dimensions and dimensions. And then your prefer, your, 
your peripheral dispensations of relationships in Christ will explode. And will God ever uh, take someone up and not let them experience death? He, he did it then and he can do it now. I don't put anything beyond the imagination of God. I don't I, I don't say he won't do nothing. I, I will never say that because he did it then and he's God and he can do it now. So when you're building a relationship with Christ, you're also building a relationship with yourself. You're learning to love yourself. You're giving yourself space. You're giving yourself time to heal. You're giving yourself new ideas and God is giving that to you. And then when you walk to the store, you go somewhere, then all of a sudden you bump into somebody. That's who God wants you to be with. Sometimes things just happen, but you, even though it might happen, you still have to get to know that person. Don't be dumb. Don't be stupid and don't be ignorant. And Lord, I'm so glad that you call us your friend. I'm so glad God that you are our confidant. We thank you, God, that you allow us to walk with you as you walk with us. We thank you, God. We want you to talk to us. God, we will listen to you. God, hear our heart. Participate, God, in our daily activities. Teach us, Lord, to walk with you, to understand you. Give us a better revelation of who you are, God. And as we walk with you, God, hold our hand. Go before us, God. Cover us in your glory. Hide us under the wings of the shadow of God of your almighty and protect us from the evil one, God, that's lurking around, trying to seek and destroy and to, and to eat us up, oh God. We thank you, God, for what you've done. I thank you for this message. May the right person hear. May the right person understand. It is for your glory. I say this all in Jesus' name. Amen.